You better carry us. Your energy needs to go way up. Okay. Yeah, that. Shove the baby down. Just remember, (laughs) if the the episode sucks, it's Stephanie's fault. It is. Oh, Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no pressure. It's Mm. fine. That doesn't help twos, though. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) We'll help her. We'll figure it out. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I am Stephanie Schaefer here with the PMB, Pastor yes. Matt Brown. Thank you for calling me that. You guys haven't been calling me that. Do you know that somebody made me some belt buckles that say the PMB? No, why are you yes, not I wearing Yes, I personalized those? belt buckles. I forgot my belt today, but okay. I've been wearing it. That's great. <laughs> That's, That's pretty fantastic. sweet. Uh, and here on The Debrief, we are in a series right now where we are being real with the Enneagram, and we're spending nine weeks going over the nine types of the Enneagram. And today, we have two of our favorite twos yes. around here. Yes. <gasps> Meet Megan and Chris. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves real quick? Sure. I'm Megan, and I work as the Connections Associate here at Sandals. And I am Chris, and I am the Campus Supervisor for Sandals Church East Valley. Right on. What does that mean, Campus yeah, yeah. Supervisor? Um Ultimately, if you think of Pastor Adam, who's my boss there, right. uh, he does all of the care for the campus, soul okay. care, groups, anything where people need to be cared for. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of the operational stuff, Sunday mornings, events, mm-hmm. um, and I supervise the staff team there. Man, nice. you got a lot of work because that campus needs one of our improvements. So it we're going to try yes. to expand that campus mm-hmm. because yeah. you yes. guys are growing so fast. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Megan, what exactly <clears throat> is a connections associate? Just for Great question. Um, Megan means, runs all the things and, and I ask her things. all the questions all yeah. the time. Um, I make sure that whatever projects go through the connections department get done on time and well. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot of things. She also has another role as a two on church. Megan put together my emergency oh. uh, pill oh. packet with she allergies, did. Tums. <laughs> All of those things. Literally, I my um, I have a uh, a bag that she got bought me, and it has like Advil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has um, uh, what Claritin, Tums. toothbrush, Tums, floss, <laughs> like all of this stuff. Because whenever I needed something, I would go to you. <laughs> her desk is she right would by have to his dig office. through her purse, and she's like my personal Rite Aid. So <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. Personal Rite Aid. She's my personal counselor. Yeah. Megan's my go. She's my drug room. dealer. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Megan is my drug dealer. Something so. I never thought I'd get it's called. Just, you know, part of it's because our offices are so close together. Mm-hmm. You're right. And next part story. of it's because you have like a gigantic purse that literally, like, there's like <laughs> lost really dogs big. or something in there. <laughs> it's huge. I do find things in there <clears> that yeah. I didn't realize were in there. So that is true. So thank you. You're welcome. But she really did that for me. She's a oh, two. Yeah. She's a helper. She's helped me out. So yeah. I still. I think have I was your assistant at the time, and I was like, "Oh, that would be yeah, a good that idea. Be a job for you to do." <laughs> I yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, not allowed to. Okay. Over to my Megan left. Megan helps us all. So. <laughs> Well, here on The Debrief, we are going through the Enneagram, and we've had a lot of people, I think over 3,500 people so far, yes. have taken our Sandals Church self-discovery assessment, which mm-hmm. is incredible. You can find that at move.sc slash self-discovery while we're in the mm-hmm. process of this series. After this series, uh, you'll need to go through our real workshops here at Sandals Church to qualify to be able to take that assessment. But if, right now, if you haven't yet taken it, go ahead, hop on there and do that. We've gotten a lot more questions in from people who have taken the assessment, and we covered this a little bit last week, but I want to kind of refresh again. Can you talk through a lot, like people are worried about having really high unhealthy scores across mm-hmm. the board or having a lot of high scores of the same number. Can you just give a refresh on that? Real yeah. Quick? Yeah. Just again, just relax. Uh, being real with yourself is a lifelong process. It's why God gave us this unique vision at Sandals Church to be real with ourselves because we're a mess. And so remember, uh, uh, Matthew five forty eight: be perfect as your heavenly father in heaven is perfect. That word means whole and complete. And so we're all trying to move towards that and to become whole and complete. And we all have a lot of work to do. And so uh, we are born as sinners, as sinners, as sinners into a sinful world. And then we have sinful parents. And so we begin to adapt uh, as children 
to this sinful world with our sinful self, and we develop strategies to survive. And um, those strategies oftentimes are effective in childhood, but are destructive in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so what you're seeing is some of the adaptive strategies that you've created as a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, to survive, but many of them are very, very unhealthy. And so the numbers on your score that are healthy means this is the, you know, today we're talking about twos, this is when you help for the right reasons and for the right purpose and and your heart is in the right place. And so when it's unhealthy, oftentimes the two, it can be self-serving or to seem self-important or to be needed. And so um, that's what you want to look at each week. And so I would say if you don't have any unhealthy scores, maybe you're not that real with yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, if they're all unhealthy, maybe you're a very, very critical one of yourself. And so look at that one score in order to interpret that. But I just would say, especially for our ones, we love you guys. It's okay. We know you're better than us. Just relax, breathe deep. Don't jump off a cliff. It's going to be okay. Um, Just hang in there. We're we're all a work in progress. When Tammy and I first did the assessment that you guys are taking, um, because I, I had studied the Enneagram for about 10 years and actually it was part of my doctoral research um, when I was getting my doctorate at Talbot. Um, I, I didn't score nearly as unhealthy as I did when Tammy and I were kind of like, okay, we got a real problem here and we're really, really struggling. And so I was super unhealthy. I had several scores in the unhealthy margin, well over 95. Mm. Yeah, so we'll talk next week about me as a three, <laughs> but my three was just really, really unhealthy. And so I had to really, really become to grips with that. And so all of us, you know, don't be, don't be afraid by it. You know, if you want to cure cancer, the first step is to admitting you have it. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's just breathe deep and work through this. And and here's the beautiful thing about you that I don't think most of us really recognize is you can change. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's not easy. Um, You know, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my, one of my good friends, uh, Bob Stockton is turning 65 years old this year. And I made the mistake. He's a two. Uh, I made the mistake of saying, what do you want for your birthday? I want to do something really special for you for your birthday because he's always helping, he's always serving. And I was not prepared for what he was going to ask me to do. He said, I really want to do one last Ironman for my 65th birthday and I would like you to do it with me. And I was just like, (laughs) I am the biggest moron in the world because training for an Ironman is ridiculous and it's just just horrible. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is, so I've been on the six month journey, right? Of working, exercising, eating right, whatever. And now my body... Now, six months into this, my body is beginning to adapt to the changes I'm asking it to make. It's hard, it's awful, but now all that hard work, I'm seeing it. And so that's what I would say as you look at, look at the Enneagram like the Iron Man. It's very, very difficult. This is going to take at minimum months of work. For some of us, years, and for some of us, a lifetime of work to change ourselves into who God is calling us to be. And if you're a two, God's not calling you to be a three. He's calling you to be a healthy two. Mm-hmm. He's calling you to, to step into health. So think about um, one of our, you know, if you've been at Sandals Church for a long time, one of our core verses is James 5.16. Confess your sins one to another. Listen to these words so that you may be whole and healed. Same word that's used uh, that was translated by Jerome, perfect, whole and healed. And that's mm-hmm. what we're all moving towards is health, becoming more healthy. And, um, you know, again, just embrace it, accept it, and know that it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, Tammy and I had a great conversation in DC where she was just really reflecting on some of the negative aspects of her personality. And they are there. I'm married to her. I know. Yeah, she's, but she was just really just kind of stuck on some of the negatives of her personality. And she has some unhealthy one, which can be really overly critical. Typically, the unhealthy one is focused on others. But every now and then when they're honest and open, they can look at themselves. 
And I was just able to say, that's how you are sometimes. That's not how you are all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you scored 100 unhealthy, it doesn't mean 100% of the time you're unhealthy. It just means a lot of the time when you, when you reach for that tool, you reach for the unhealthy thing, you know, like think of it like a hammer, a hammer can either build a house or put a hole in the wall. So the unhealthy is the hole in the wall in your relationships. The healthy is, oh, I'm going to build this. I'm going to hang this painting. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So just look at it that way and just relax and just know that your spiritual leader, um, you know, pastor Matt, that's myself had a lot of unhealthy stuff, right? Jesus is our savior. I'm your spiritual leader. You know, Jesus is perfect. We're not, we're trying to, um, become whole and healed. And, and again, the ticket to that is the truth shall set you free. And we'll talk more about that next week as we deal with the threes, but we're going to all enter into the truth and know that it's going to set us free, but first it's going to beat us up. <laughs> That's what the truth does. The truth is, the truth is a little rough, which is why people don't like it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's safer uh, in, in the short term to live in the lies. Now, long-term, the lies will destroy you, um, but it's, it, it feels safer at front to not know. So yeah. anyways, just everybody relax, especially <laughs> the ones, which I know is impossible, but try. <laughs> so this week we were talking specifically about the two style, which is the helper. So can you kind of dive in a little bit more describing what exactly the helper is? How, what does that style look like in people? Megan, Chris, as you guys have input too, feel free to jump into. We'd love to hear what your experience is like living out the life of a two. Yeah. yeah can you explain more about yeah, the so two? Yeah. The so the two, the helper, um, some, some personality assessments uh, will say, call it the loving person. Um, and this person, it just, right, they live to serve you and, and care for you. And so uh, a lot of women think that they're twos, especially if they're moms. And so uh, a woman will adapt to the two style because that's how they identify themselves. And that's a really unhealthy place to be pretending you're a two if you're not a two, uh, because you're never going to be exercising who God's truly made you to be. And you're always going to be tired. And, um, you know, and that's what happens with the adaptive strategies is we're trying to be something we're not, and it's exhausting. So the natural two just, just enjoys serving, feels full of life and full of love when they do something for you. So like, for example, I never asked Megan to get me a, uh, what would you call what you got me? Like a healthcare kit pack, sure, rescue yeah. pack, right? But <laughs> rescue she, goes and she, she goes and gets that and, and it has everything that she thinks I might need if something goes wrong for me based upon our, you know, our relationship, our working relationship. And she did that and it, you know, it, it was very loving to me and I was, I was very appreciative, but she just did that because that's who she is. Nobody mm -hmm. told her to do that. You know, um, she didn't say I ought, she just did. And so that, that's where the two comes from. So it's just a person. Uh, and that's the beautiful side is they love to serve care and they genuinely do. Um, they love us by doing the dishes. They love us by helping take out the trash. They love by participating in things where they see an immediate need. And that's the, that's kind of what drives the two is I can do this and it, I see that it helps you. And it, and it fuels them. And so the negative of that is they can get so caught up in the busyness of doing things. Oftentimes they miss the relationship. And so sometimes, you know, the two, instead of doing the dishes, needs to sit down and, and connect with the grandkids or the kids or the husband or the wife and um, can get overwhelmed with all of the things that need to be done, especially if they have a wing that's a one. You get that I should and the helper together and boy, you're off and running and, and you know, you're gonna miss out on life. So uh, you wanna slow down and just really relax. But the two is, again, these are the people that serve us, that help us, they participate in everything. You never have to ask a two twice to do something. I mean, hey, I need you to work in children's ministry. They'll work in children's ministry till they die. <laughs> you know, they're just boom, they're in there. That man, that's what I'm doing. I'm in the parking lot team. You know, whatever it is, this this is my role. This is what I do at church. And they feel very, very safe in that. And, they, and again, they love to help. Um, 
that's when they're healthy. When they're unhealthy, they can use it uh, in a manipulative way. And so I've done all this for you. Now I need you to love me because the two's worry is that I'm only lovable when I'm doing things. Mm. And so they feel special when they're helping. Um, and when they're not helping, they feel vulnerable and afraid. And so um, they can become very, very controlling. And so again, as especially as parents who are two's age, they have a really hard time letting kids go because you don't need me. Well, if you've done your job right as a parent, eventually, hopefully the child becomes an adult and they don't need you. You can still have a loving relationship, but it's changed. You, you know, you're not controlling the kid. You're not whatever. And that's what the two can do is they can become, when you read some of the personality types, they'll talk about the Italian mom or the Jewish mother that just kind of lords it over everyone and controls the whole family. They're, a two can be very, very powerful and can be confused for an eight. So uh, a lot of times you might think a person's an eight, but really what they're doing is that they're, they're two and they're, they're controlling the whole family by helping. And so um, they can become codependent where they lose themselves in helping uh, maybe uh, an unhealthy spouse or friend or uh, brother or sister, or they can become overbearing, uh, almost pastoral. So pastors, a lot of pastors are two and they relish in the unhealth of people. Mm. Because if my congregation gets healthy, they, they don't need me. me. So- that's why congregations can get very, very unhealthy and very, very ugly if you have an unhealthy two who's the pastor, which you would think, oh, they're really great. They're very caring and very loving and they come alongside. But the two has to work towards identifying and relating with people in just a relationship, but not necessarily being needed. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, so like we talked about this weekend, just really sit in the fact that God loves you, but God does not need you. And that's okay. He loves you. He doesn't need you. God is not needy. So, um, which is important because the loving person needs to understand that love is not needy, right? God is love. God is not needy. So, you know, and that's just so important for that codependent aspect of I need to be needed. And, and uh, you can get really, really tweaked in living your life out as your role, especially men. We talked about, you know, as you get older and you retire, that's really, really hard. Who am I? If I'm not a fireman, a policeman, if I'm not a businessman, if I don't own my own company or you know, those things become very, very difficult because when your identity is wrapped up in what you do, once you stop doing that, who am I? So, so Megan and Chris, what has your kind of experience been like as a two, as you started to uncover this type and how you've seen that play out in your life? Can you kind of describe some of that? Uh, yeah, I resonate with a ton of what you just said, um, both the healthy and the unhealthy side of things. Um, I identified really early on in adulthood that um, I'm predisposed to unhealth. Hmm. that it was easier to be codependent or to uh, expect things, expect love from others because of the things that I was doing. And I didn't want to be that person because I saw how tragic that was for others and the relationships. So I went on this, like made basically my entire adulthood of counseling, trying to work through these things. Like, how do I be the healthy version of myself? And this was even before identifying too, just knowing that this was something that I was predisposed to. And hmm. so now I've, like after lots of time and work, getting to see what healthy version looks like um, and things like putting together the rescue pack or yeah. the health kit, um, that really brought me joy. And it wasn't something that I felt like I had to do or that um, I wanted to earn some sort, right. some sort of love. It was like, oh no, I think this would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it was great. I mean, so I have to be very mindful of what are my motives? Why am I doing this? And when I start to feel like I'm veering off track, and I'm doing something for the wrong reason, 
then adjusting course quicker than maybe I would have before. Yeah. And just so you know, if you're a two, you can feel used really quick because people will use you. And so, so again, it's, you know, what are we calling it? The safety pack, the health pack, whatever. <laughs> so w- what's her motive? If her motive is just to be loving, you know, I love Pastor Matt and I want, I want to do this for him. That's great. If the motive is, if I do this, then mm-hmm. that's where the unhealth comes from. And that's going to get me in this place, especially if you're a two wing three, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to, I'm going to climb and I'm going to be more yeah. successful. So you've really, really got to watch that because twos can become really, really bitter. And that's where the pride seeps in. And so, you know, as we talk about these core sins, so last week we talked about the, the anger and the one, you might not be aware of how that anger plays up in your life. And as the two, it might be really hard for you to ferret out your pride. But the pride is, well, gosh, I'm always doing these things for thee and I didn't, I didn't get invited to the party and I didn't get this. And, I, and so you have to go back to, okay, why did I help them in the first place? And so I need to do it because it's what I wanted to do and it's what I felt that, that I was led to do. And then you're, you're not bitter and you don't feel left out. And so you just really, really have to constantly check your motives of why am I doing this? And um, because it's, right, I mean, you know, the Bible actually says, do not grow weary in doing good. And so for the two, it's like, ah, you know, so, okay, keep doing good, but let's make sure we're keeping check on the thermometer of why. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because um, if, if you're hoping that people will love you the way you want to be loved because you serve, well, they might use you, but they're they're not going to love you necessarily the way that you, you want to be loved. And so you need to be in relationships with people that love you for who you are and mm-hmm. appreciate what you do, but love you for who you are. And that's just really, really important. Yeah. Chris, did you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah. I'll just say um, my journey, I mean, now that I have this information, I can look back at my entire life and start figuring out why I did certain things. Um, and I, I remember a quote from several years back where I started the journey of really pursuing health, um, where my sister-in-law said, it's so nice to see you using your powers for good instead of evil. Wow. <laughs> All right. I love Mega Megs. And His so, sister's name is Mega Megs. I call her Megs and Bacon, Megatron. <laughs> um, and so what, what that makes me think about is how I um, actually weaponized my gifts mm. early on in mm. my life. Mm. Um, I could read people well. I understood what made them tick. I understood what they needed. And then I would stab them there. Mm. And so that's where a lot of my guilt and shame has come into play in this process of, of learning how to be the better me, mm-hmm. the best me, Yeah, um, is because I can see that it's so easy to abuse the beautiful things that God has gifted you with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now what I'm so thankful for is that I'm in a place where my job is literally to be the helper to my boss and pastor and to the congregation of mm-hmm. that campus. Right. Um, and so it is, um, it's fulfilling because I get the chance to, and the opportunity, um, almost every day to do things for people without there being some sort of response. Hmm. Um, and so that's been probably the healthiest outlet that I've ever had for, um, for that gifting. Yeah. You guys are going to love this. Uh, Tammy's transmission blew up on Monday. Uh, so I had to call, uh, uh, Fritz Ford here in town, uh, to take the car in. And so the, uh, assistant or secretary, I don't know what she would call her job when I pulled in. She goes, Pastor Matt, I'm a two and I'm here to help you. <laughs> and so, uh, and then we, and then uh, this guy named Don came out, who's the, I don't know, my project manager or whatever for fixing the car. He goes, I'm a two, you were pointing right at me. And I just thought, here's two twos in a <laughs> service industry and they're right where they're supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, every day they get to, and I just thought that was great, but it was just funny to me that the next day after I preached that sermon, yeah. here I am. Needing you know, help. At, yeah, needing help, and I got two helpers. 
uh, that are, are rescuing me at Fritz Ford. It was hilarious. So free commercial for Fritz Ford there. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. They've got some twos on yeah. staff. All right. So we actually have gotten some really great questions in from people in our church who identify with the style of the two. And after you preach uh, a sermon on that, mm-hmm. we got some really great questions in from people, um, both who love twos and are twos themselves. So this first one uh, comes in from anonymous. You'll see why in just a second. Annie my, Moss. My mother is the epitome of everything Pastor Matt said this weekend. And I've known for a while that her pride is the reason that she's not saved because she thinks she can earn her way to heaven. Mm-hmm. Like Pastor Matt said, her pride is hard to detect because it's masked in the shape of gratitude and concern for others. How can I challenge her pride in a way that doesn't make her more defensive and prideful in hopes that maybe one day she'll realize her need for God and that she can't earn her way to heaven? Yeah. Uh, you know, pride is just, it's just one of those things that I think only God can crack and um, you just have to bring it to the Lord. I, I, I think you can't show prideful people anything. Uh, prideful people learn from being humbled and that's through emotional, physical, or spiritual brokenness. So the best tool for a prideful person is a wall. It just is. And uh, if you have somebody that just really, really struggles with pride in your life, the best thing you can do is get out of their way and let them just get some momentum and really whack that thing as hard as they can because um, you can't confront pride. You just can't. Um, pride must be broken. It, it must be. And so, um, you know, uh, one of my favorite books is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And there's this scene of, uh, I think she's a two, but she's a mom demanding that her son leave heaven to come to hell mm-hmm. with her because if he loved her, he would do that. It's just crazy. So uh, that's, that's a great book if you want to stay up late and not be able to sleep. Uh, <laughs> great, great book. So what I would just say is, is that, um, again, if you want to have a conversation, part of what your mom is doing is she's comparing herself to others. The problem is we're not judged according to the standards of others. Every man and woman will be measured by the righteousness of Jesus. So good luck with that. So, so um, you know, that's the question is, are you as good as Jesus? Not are you? Are, are you better than this person? And so that's what the two is doing is comparing really service. Look what I do. Look at everything that I'm doing for everybody else. And and, and that's where the pride comes out in the two is look at all I've done for you. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very, very um, unhealthy and, and very, very ugly. And so that's just what I would say is just really, really pray that God would break her, um, you know, and, and hope that it doesn't kill her. Um, but man, I, I have, um, you know, some close friends in my life that I have just had lifelong battles with pride and it's never ending. It's just a never ending struggle. Um, I would not say that pride is one of my primary sins, but it, it's amazing to me how it wiggles its way into my life and, and gets me constantly. Um, there's this rock in Newport beach. I call pride rock. Um, where I had to go to and just really confess pride one time about five years ago, because it just was wrecking my life. And I was just like, I didn't think I had any pride. So I had to name this gigantic <laughs> rock after it on the beach in Newport, because that's where it was. So that's just what I would say is let God do his job. And God's job is to convict. Mm-hmm. Your job is to get out of the way and, and be you know a person and thank your mom for what she does do to serve, because if she is a two and, and she's going to be very helpful, um, you know, you're going to have to develop boundaries. A great book I would read is by Cloud and Townsend. It's called Boundaries. Uh, twos can be very, very overbearing and very, very controlling, especially as they age. Twos have a hard time letting you grow up. So uh, twos are great when you're little, but as you age, they have a hard time seeing you as a peer and they un- unintentionally keep you down because they need you to need them. And so that's why moms have a really hard time transitioning into peer-to-peer relationship and they just never grow out of that. And so um, just really, really be careful with that. So I would say let God do his job. And then your job is, you know, make sure that you're loving and, and appreciative. You know, think about the ways that we talked about how to love it to thank them specifically for what they've done. Ask them what you can do for them, because that's the best way to get a two to admit they have needs is to say, is there anything I can help you with? 
um, you know, uh, and then try to spend some time not doing things, but just spending time together. Because man, if you sit alone long enough, you're gonna you're gonna have to face your brokenness. So, mm-hmm. um, and that shame. So, yeah. uh, on the topic of kind of asking a two to identify their needs, Rio actually uh, wrote in a question. It says, as a two, I found it difficult to ask for help and let my needs be voice. I've also realized that sometimes I don't even know what I need because I've constantly denied myself of having needs or receiving help. As someone who struggles with the shame that stems from that, what are practical things I can do to figure out how to let others help me? Yeah, so I'm gonna guess that person's a two wing three. So we'll get into that next week. So the three uh, really struggles with self-deception. That's who I am. That's my struggle. And so uh, a two wing three is going to be very unaware of their needs and it's legitimate. Like when they say, I don't know what I need, that's true because the three oftentimes is so in pursuit of success, they don't know who they are or what they want. And they can, they can find themselves doing things that I, they don't even enjoy. Why am I doing this? And so the two has to be aware and say, okay, what is it that I need? First, you have to give yourself permission to have needs. Mm-hmm. I need this. I, I need this from you. And those are hard conversations to have. Anyone who's in the heart triad, you're going to struggle with the underlying emotion of shame. And so the two is ashamed of having needs. Well, that's ridiculous. We, we, we all should have needs. And so that's because pride is saying, if I, if I was who I really think I am, I'm not gonna have needs. Well, God didn't make you to be alone. We all have needs. We're human beings and we have basic needs. And so you have to give yourself permission to have needs and then really give yourself permission to explore, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I feel like I need? And, and the best way to really figure that out is, when's the last time you got your feelings hurt? And ask why. Why did that hurt? Why did that bother me? What is going on in me? And so there's a there's an underlying belief in the two. There's something somebody did. And so, um, you know, and one of the, I think more maybe a more shallow need is to have your service recognized, to have people say, I appreciate that. Because you do, it is nice, mm-hmm. you know? Hey, thank you for for, for taking care of that. And, and I, you know, for twos, my heart breaks for twos. We talked about this in community group last night. I don't feel like as a culture, we value service. So I, I, just, I just don't think that that's something that's valued in American culture. And that's miserable for twos because what they're so good at is so underappreciated. You know, we just don't appreciate service. And, and man, that's the, the two is just like, how can I help and what can I do? And, and, you know, when we get great service or we get great help, we just kind of move on and we don't think about it. And so I would say acknowledge it. But again, if you're the two, really explore, why am I hurt? What's happening to me? And give yourself permission to be hurt and say that this really upsets me. And so- Um, you know, because what pride does is it divides, it'll separate you from friendships, from your marriage, from your kids, from your coworkers, and you're going to be all alone. Um, which is not what you want. I mean, twos want to be wanted. They want to be needed. They want to be invited. Um, but you have to have real relationships in order for people to not use you. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, I, I just, Hey, you're really good at this. Can you fix this? Can you come over? Um, if you want to have real relationships, you're going to have to actually work at that. Yeah. That was great. That was a great question. Yeah. What has kind of identifying and declaring needs looked like for you guys as you've kind of worked through this process of self-discovery? Um, my community group has probably been this, the single most influential piece of that for me uh, because they're the people that they understand me. We talk through life. They, they hear me sharing things and then they read between the lines mm-hmm. um, because they know now that um I tell myself I can't have needs and then I don't voice it. And so, um, even last night, part of the conversation was like, how can we help you? What are, what are ways that we can even ask you what your needs are Mm -hmm. so that you respond well to that? Um, and so, uh, 
I think I have had to do the work of telling myself over and over, it's okay to need help. Yes. It's okay to not be okay. Right. Um, and so that is, that's almost a mantra sometimes. <laughs> so that that puts me in a place of going to the staff at, at East Valley and saying, hey guys, we I've got this big project, big event coming up. Can you guys help me with these various things? Otherwise, I'm going to try to truck ahead and do it all the whole time being bitter right. that mm-hmm. nobody is helping. And so I, there's so many reasons for this, but like, I I have to remember that it's okay to, to need help. Right. Good. Yeah. So, um, feeling very similarly about you, but also, um, I have found that when I do feel appreciated or when someone does thank me, it builds a trust Mm. with that person. And so when they ask me, what can I do to help? I feel like it's easier to find a need and ask them to do it because we've kind of built this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of have to do kind of like a self-assessment. And sometimes it even looks like a checklist, like, okay, let me just run down the things that are in my head. And okay, physically, is there anything that I need? Emotionally, okay, professionally, like what is on my agenda that I could give away? Um, and that's been really helpful because sometimes I'm not aware of the things that I'm doing Um and not making the assumption that other people should know what I need. Mm. That's mm-hmm. been probably the biggest thing. Yeah. I love your example of um, like asking the team, hey, can you help me with these things versus doing them and then thinking, why haven't you helped me? Mm-hmm. A lot of times they honestly don't know you need help. And if I don't tell them and then I'm bitter, it's really only my fault. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so trying to identify like, okay, like this person doesn't know that I need this. Let me ask them and mm-hmm. see how they respond. Yeah. And I think one of the ways the two lies to themselves, especially like in professional work is if I just lead by example, everyone else will just mm-hmm. naturally do this. Well, no, they're not. They're not a two. <laughs> they're going to watch you work your butt off. And so what you have to do is you just say, I need you to help. I need you to participate. I need you to get off your rear and help and, and do this. And, um, you know, in my house, we have, nobody has two. So we have to ask every time. <laughs> to do the dishes. My kids are surprised. My son's surprised every week when the dog poops and it needs to be cleaned up. Like <laughs> the dog is going to poop until uh, she dies. So every single week, and, and they just don't naturally gravitate towards that. And if you're not careful, you can start doing it all. And then you get bitter and then you get upset and nobody else is helping. Now you're irritable. Now nobody wants to be with you. And now you're more <laughs> alone and you feel like, right, it's, it, it just is this vicious cycle. Um, because you've been doing everything. And, and so you're Marthaing, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting, you're getting, getting thing everything getting ready for the meal you're not even going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Well, I think like as a person who's like in a relationship with, she's like, I feel super honored when Megan asks me for help with something. So I'm like, Oh, she trusts me. Like, and I just assume she just does all the things and gets them done all the time. And it's some magical world that she has. But <laughs> like when like Megan asked me for help, like I let her know, like, Oh, like I'm super honored. Like I would love to help you. Like, mm. and so just knowing like if you have twos in your life and they ask you for help, like, make sure you like let them know how honoring that is mm-hmm. and that like you really appreciate them asking you for help because that's a big deal for mm-hmm. it too. Um, and so I know like when Megan's asked for help, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll totally help you. She asked me for help on a project. I was like, this is so fun. She's like, I was not going to ask anyone because I thought I just need to do this myself. I'm like, no, I love this. This yeah. is great. Right. Well, and then I had such a uh, kind of a self-check of like, oh man, I, I missed an opportunity for someone to find joy in helping me mm-hmm. and doing something that they also mm-hmm. enjoy because I was just going to do it myself and be bitter and like mm-hmm. angry about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that each number 
kind of expects everybody else to operate how they do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's especially true for the two. Like mm-hmm. that is that is part of the the fact that we like serving people. Right. Is we just operate assuming that this is how not only how everybody else is, but how they should be. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm doing things for my friends and then they just take it and they're like, thanks, bye. That's like, that's really hard. Yeah. yeah. And it, it causes kind of like mm-hmm. that, that bitterness and yeah. cycling in your head of, mm-hmm. of getting to that point. So, yeah. Uh, so this next question I'm really, really interested in. Danny wrote in and just simply asked, how do I love myself as a two? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys want to dive yeah, into that. Yeah. Why don't you guys jump in? <laughs> um, it's hard. <laughs> it, it is. I like, that makes me really sad to hear that question because that, um, that has been a, a huge piece of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can I share a little yeah, bit of my story? Yeah, okay. please do. Um, so I essentially, I'll, I'll skip a lot of story to get to the point of, um, I spent a lot of my life struggling with same sex attraction and specifically in the church. Like I grew mm. up in the church. Mm. And so, um, hearing the condemnation Mm. and the anger and the rejection my entire Mm. life towards a whole group of people meant that I had started believing that I wasn't worth anything Mm. and that I was damaged and that I wasn't good enough and all these things. And so I get into my twenties and I start this healing process of figuring this stuff out, talking it through, being real and honest about it. Um, And I still struggle with loving myself Mm. because I've spent 30 years not, loving myself. Mm. Um, so I would say that this is a muscle that we don't often use as twos, um, and that we need to exercise for it to function well. Mm -hmm. And, um, initially I think one of the really good ways to, to go about it is to bring other people into it with you because we're so relational. And I've, I've told my friends, I'm not, I'm probably not going to work out ever by myself. Mm because I already don't want to do it. And then if I'm by myself, there's just no chance. (laughs) And so um, the idea of tackling something like this, that's this scary of Mm -hmm. how do I love myself? How do I care for myself? um, I think we really do need some support in that. And um, so I would encourage you find those few safe people um, that you can talk to about Mm -hmm. this, be open and real about it with. um, And then like, say like, I am trying to figure out how to love myself. And, um, help, help them love you. Right. And I think that that gives you permission to love yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. I think, uh, let me kind of jump in. So, you know, read, read the two, uh, into the story in Genesis chapter three. So Adam and Eve sin, uh, they become aware of their shame, which is the underlying emotion of the two, three, four, and they instantly do something. They cover themselves. So that's, that's the madness of the two is the two believes that if I just do this, it's going to cover this underlying emotion. Mm. And so ultimately, you know, what Adam and Eve recognize is that they do need to be covered, but the question is by what? And so a lot of people don't realize, but the first animal sacrifice then takes place in Genesis chapter three. God kills an animal, takes the skin from the animal and covers them. It's the first animal sacrifice in the history of the world. Something's going to die to cover your shame. And then ultimately, what is that? It's Jesus. So we have to bring Jesus into that. And even though I don't, because I struggle with shame too, even though I don't feel worthy, that's where scripture is important. I am worthy because of Christ. And that's where Bible memory and those things, and I have to trust God's word over my feelings. And um, I am worthy of being loved. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm, you know, I, right? I, I am these things, these things are true about me. And that's just so important. Um, you know, that's why I think our Easter message resonated with so many people, the stories that we're believing 
and hearing, mm-hmm. they, they affect us. And um, it's just so important that lifelong for a two, I am worthy, I enjoy serving. I, I, like, I, I love mm-hmm. to serve, don't, don't just, man, that's how God made you, enjoy that and celebrate that, but don't do that to get love, you are loved. Mm-hmm. You are loved and surround yourself with people who really love you and really genuinely care for you and want the best for you. And, you know, Tammy and I, I think we have such a special place in our heart for twos because there's no Sandals Church without twos, mm-hmm. right? Everybody, all, all, the other uh, eight personality styles, I'm begging to get them to serve, <laughs> right? Please, for the love of Jesus, serve, you know, and, and they don't and they won't and they pray about it or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, but the twos, man, jump on board. They love, they love to help. And I just have grown a, such a deep appreciation for twos because, you know, they're just, they're just such wonderful people. But at the end, they can't serve to get a great relationship with me. They have to serve because they love God and they love doing it. And it can't be an avenue for connection. And that's, that's what you really have to watch yourself as a two is if I serve, I'm gonna connect, I'm gonna be in this group. And man, that's a really, really dangerous way to build relationships, right? I mean, cause that's, that's just like strategic suicide. I mean, just don't do that. I mean, you need to have friends who love you for you despite what you do for them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a two, but I serve my wife and my kids cause I love them. Mm-hmm. That service is a part of love. And that's why, you know, we, we quoted Jesus this week for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. I mean, that's part of how the two reflects just the core character of God. This is just who you are. Um, but it does, service doesn't make you who you are. So you really gotta wrestle with that. Okay, your turn. I know, sorry. I, I, <laughs> welcome to me. I, I just start rambling and, you know, Stephanie tries to stay awake. No, it's not good. So. <laughs> it's good. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that I realized was that I was having a hard time receiving compliments. Mm -hmm. So people would try to say nice things about me or encourage me and I would sort of just let it roll off. Um, and so that's been really big is trying to be very intentional to receive. I'm awful at this still, but, um, trying to be better about it. So if someone says, Hey, that was really nice. What you did for me, kind of like pausing a little bit and soaking it in being like, yes, I'm Megan that was something that I did that was nice for someone. Like this is something that I like about myself Mm -hmm. and just kind of sitting in that. Another thing is just trusting God's word. And you had said this, like um, if I believe that God is good and God is real, then I need to trust that when his scriptures say that I am worthy and that I'm his daughter and that Mm -hmm. I'm beautiful no matter what I do, like I have to figure out how to let Mm -hmm. that penetrate my heart. And it's really hard, but it's another like intentional step of God isn't like, if, I'm not going to believe this. And it, it makes me look like God is a liar. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel that way about him. So I, I need to believe everything that he says, including the things yeah. about me. Right. And I think that that's one of the ways that we see our pride play out is that we are telling God that we're not good enough for his love, right. that he has told us we are good enough right. for, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. we are, we are putting ourselves in this place of making decisions for him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's like discounting ourselves, like taking ourselves out of the picture, saying mm-hmm. that we're not yeah. what he says we are. Right. So that's that's a constant battle of um, having to force yourself to believe yeah. the truth that you know is truth, but yeah. that doesn't like hit at the deep level all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just weird how it's just so hard uh, for those of us in the shame quandary to just really rest in I'm loved and worthy mm-hmm. of being loved. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, it, it's, it's just so, it's just so bizarre for me how hard, and that's a lifelong struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you pair that with pride, which you would think would be self-love, but it's not, it's mm-hmm. just pride. And it's just, it's just, it's a, 
It's a difficult, difficult road to navigate. Could you kind of break that down a little bit, the difference between pride and self-love? I think because I think a lot of people probably still have those very intertwined. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think self-love is is healthy. So you you are God's creation. Um, you are created in his image and his likeness, and you are worthy of love. So every child of God is an object of God's love and is worthy of his love. And so we, we need to learn to love ourselves. So the great commandment is love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as you love yourself. The Apostle Paul actually, I don't know that he could write these words now um, because I think so many people, there's so much more self-hatred now than there was. To that. Paul says this, no one hates his own body as he's talking about marriage. Well, a lot of, a lot of people know. nowadays hate their own body because culture shifted and we don't value self in a healthy way. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, God loves me and that's, that's more than the way I look how old I am, how young I am, how smart I am. Like there, there's intrinsic value in me because God's image rests on me. Um, and so I need to trust that. Now, pride is, I think pride is, is, is kind of, yes, I'm worthy of love. And then I separate that from God. And then that becomes all me. I think as long as who I am is connected to who God is, I think it's healthy. I think when it becomes self-sustaining and it's all about me and I divorce myself from God, then I think it becomes pride. Look at what I've done. Look at who I am. Look at all that I've accomplished. And, and uh, you know, so I, I think it's, you know, um, it's okay for me to say, wow, God's made me a very creative and inspirational speaker. God's done all that in me. Wow, isn't that neat what God's done and how he's created that? When I start saying, look what I am, look what I've done, but that then it becomes very, very sinful. Um, there's a level of pride that's not sinful, that it's healthy. You know, take pride in your school, in your home, in your church. Um, you know, so there's there's a level of pride. It's not always sinful, um, but the pride that we're talking about, the core of the two is, and it says, um, you know, it's a sense of self-righteousness. I've done all these things, therefore I deserve X or whatever. And the truth is what we deserve according to the gospel is God's wrath. But because of his grace, he saved us. So I just would say it's, 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 it's so many words, man. The subtleties are, it's just so, it's, you know, the differences are so small. You just have to be really, really careful with blanket statements. But pride in this sense is, is negative and sinful, um, not, not healthy. So I hope that helps. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like trying, I know I try to give God the credit yeah. because it's his. Right. So if there's something where I, have identified, okay, I'm really good at this. Mm -hmm. Saying like, it's not just that I have woken up one day and I'm really good at this. It's that God made me this way and God deserves all the credit. And if I go the other direction, then it becomes all about me yeah. and then I become prideful. Yeah. Go ahead. So um, how have you guys learned to really embrace the beautiful side of this style? Because we've talked a lot about pride. We've talked a lot about like, you know, where you can tend to get off the rails, but how have you kind of learned to embrace the beauty of your style and really like all those things to reflect about God? What does that look like for you? I, um, I'm really honored that people feel like they can come to me and trust me and that when they do, they feel loved and cared for. And it's not something that I have to work hard at or manufacture. And, mm -hmm. um, it, I thought for a long time that that was normal for everybody and then realized <laughs> yeah. that some people don't exude <laughs> that kind of, uh, <laughs> warmth and caring. And so really trying to appreciate that of people feel really comfortable with me. Um, and I love that that I'm able to make people feel that way. How about you? Yeah. Um, I have been told multiple times throughout my like work history in life that, um, being an emotional person is a weakness. Mm. Um, and one of the ways that I've been able to really engage this is, um, especially as a man, 
um, who's highly emotional. Mm. Like my response to a lot of things is crying. So I'm just, <laughs> just going to put Me that too, out there because I hate it. <laughs> Me too. Um, <clears throat> but one of the beautiful things of that is that not everybody has the strength of feeling those emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody is able to sit in a room mm. and feel what other people are feeling. Right. And so um, it has served me really well in ministry, mm-hmm. um, being able to understand people, being able to empathize with them. Mm. Um, I love I love that God created me to be um, relationally smart mm-hmm. and adept. Um, and uh, it just, it brings joy to me that like I can sit here with Megan and, and we can just connect on such a deep level. Right. Because in the, at this moment, we're both feeling each other's feelings, yeah. you right. know? So, yeah. um, so I, I love being able to do that. The gift that that is. Mm-hmm. I, know, I walked in and you were both like, looked at me with the eyes of like, do we really have to do this? And we were like, I'm really going to be on this show. Like, we'll be okay. Like we don't have to like, really yeah, great. I mean, it's usually twos are not at the forefront. Twos mm-hmm. typically are behind the scenes. So coming on a, on a program like this and, you know, staring into, uh, you know, very what, tiny camera, in your a very face. tiny camera that's broadcasting <laughs> your face all across the world to billions of people. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make you feel yeah. comfortable? Yeah. I would generally prefer to be behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah helping, <laughs> helping make it happen, not yeah. being out front. But, the, but the reality is I just really, I'm thankful that you guys, um, just came out and, and, and did that. And so, um, I think the, the beauty of the two is they make life work. The ones and the twos make life happen. So many of the things that we take for granted without the ones and the twos, they never get done. And so, um, the reality is, you know, after Jesus got done teaching, they ate. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mary ate, everybody else ate, and Jesus probably ate. So um, we just have to make sure that we don't put the emphasis on the meal, but rather the, the gathering and coming together. And so we need to figure that out. And so the two just needs to not get the cart before the horse. And remember that the purpose of the meal is actually the relationships. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it's about. But but loving, helping and serving and, and bringing people together, right? The two, I'm gonna put this magnificent meal together and everybody's gonna sit and hear Jesus talk. Well, everybody but my sister, Mary, cause she needs to get off her butt and get over here and help me, right? <laughs> so her, I think her heart was in the right place at the beginning and the mm-hmm. desire was right. But in the end, she got the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. She needs to remember that the purpose of the meal, the purpose of you helping as a two is that you love people and you want them to feel loved and you wanna connect with them that. But if you get so wrapped up in the task, you miss the relationship and you miss the connection piece. And so, um, you know, details can overwhelm the two with all the things that I need to get done. And they have a hard time shutting it off, resting, relaxing, um, or entrusting someone else to do it. That's what's amazing that you can entrust others to to help. Because a lot of times twos will just do it all themselves mm-hmm. and then they're burnt out and they're yeah. tired. Well, I still mess this up. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, like, can you guys give maybe some examples of where you've seen like the unhealthy side of your two kick in or where you're most prone to kind of go off the rails with the two? Off the rails. Off the rails with the two. (laughs) This was a seven, boy. We're in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You want to go first? No, go Okay. Um, uh, I actually uh, was really convicted this week. There was a huge project that I've been working on. and I was hoping you were going to say my message. Was it self-discovery scores for 3,500 people? (laughs) it might have been. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We, I mean, we're so thrilled that this many people have chosen to participate in the self-discovery assessments, but I was not prepared for that. And so as we got deeper and deeper in, I, I resorted to bad behaviors, like mm. old behaviors of, um, no, I'm already in this. Like it's too late to ask for help. Mm. Um, I don't want to add this burden to anybody else. Um, but then I did start to feel like overwhelmed yeah. and 
Um, and I started to realize I actually can't do this. Like I am tired. Well, yay! Um, I know. <laughs> I actually can't do this. You I have no idea for this. a two. That's such a hard that's, admission. That's like E equals MC squared for yeah. the two. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh my Einstein. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was actually when I went to Stephanie and I was like, hey, there's this piece of the pro- of the puzzle that I need help with. Can you do this? And she lit up and is super <laughs> thrilled. And I'm, I'm just sort of laughing at myself like, oh my gosh, if I'd asked for this two weeks ago, like yeah. I wouldn't feel this way. And she would have gotten to participate in it with me. Um, and so I would love to say that I, it doesn't come up very often anymore, but it comes up all the time. Yeah. I think twos have to consciously remind themselves of when am I assisting and when am I leading? And so you have to make the switch because the two naturally will fall into following. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm the Lieutenant, I'm following the captain, but what happens when life, when you're the captain, now you have to deal like that's a really really different shift personality wise because you're not helping you're leading and uh, all the personality types you know like the one uh, their perfectionist tendencies can cause them to never delegate and they can they can become you know at, at sandals with as many thousands of people that we deal with it can become a bottleneck a real problem because you're stopping everything mm-hmm. so the two has to do the same thing okay now I'm leading this I'm not assisting right? I'm operating in a, in a leadership capacity. I need a team of helpers, yeah. um, you know? And so, um, you know, like we, we just had our staff day today. I mean, I, um, and, and I know our listeners and our watchers weren't there, but we were at our staff day. And I think the thing that's apparent and you guys would agree right away is we have a great team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every cool. single staff person that's getting up, I'm like, they're all rock stars. Yeah. Um, you know, so people say, what's the secret sauce of sandals? It's the team. Mm-hmm. Like it's, we, we have a, we just have an incredible team of people that work really hard and are coming together. Uh, but that means sometimes we shift roles. And so the two is always going to shift more easily into the secondary role. If you're an eight, <laughs> that's, you don't have that gear, right? You, 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 that's going to be really, really hard. Um, but I, we have eights that work for me. They have to shift into a second gear. They're not the decision maker. So, so just know as the two, your difficult move is going to be leading and, assert, and telling others what to do. I need you to do this or I need you to do that um, so that we can accomplish this goal together. Uh, and then, then we can enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. Like if we all work together yeah. and get this done, you know, but remind yourself that the end goal is to enjoy each other, not to find another project. Oh, we finished 15 minutes early. <laughs> Let's do something else. And your kids are like, oh, geez. Yeah, and to be able to celebrate the yeah. project. If, yeah. if we get to the end of the series and I'm just angry right. because I facilitated yeah, overwhelmed, thousands quit. of assessments, yeah. then- then what value did that bring? Mm-hmm. Because it'd be great to get to the end and just get to celebrate every single life that was changed. Like if we're at like 3,500 today, like that's 3,500 yeah. lives and the people that they know and impact that are totally changed. And it is much more fun to celebrate those wins than to be right. angry at the end. And here's how here's how the shame works with being overwhelmed. So the two doesn't ask for help because they're ashamed of having needs. They try to do it all on their own. Then they can't do it. Then they feel ashamed because they feel like they, that's where the pride kicks yeah. in. I should be able to do this. Yep. I can't. Now I want to quit because I'm no good. I'm terrible. I'm awful. And people hate me and da, da, da. Right. And it just goes down this yeah, toilet spiral. bowl of negative emotions yeah. when what you need you to do is say, I can't do everything. So I'm going to build a team of people that want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife doesn't have a lot of two, but will operate it. And I'm always asking her, you know, with cultivate, do you really need to wrap 4,000 flowers. I'm fairly certain that there are some other ladies in our church that can do that. Yeah. Um, so let's ask so that you can spend time preparing the message, right? Um, but she gets wrapped up in the details of, mm-hmm. oh, 
um, all of these things need to be perfect. And it's like, yeah, but part of leading a movement and leading a group of people is is incorporating other helpers. And there's a lot of other twos that would love yeah. to help, yeah. you know, that would love to be a part of that. You know, I thought about our, um, again, back to our church today, you know, we, I didn't know that we have people who come on Fridays and volunteer eight hours at our church on Fridays to do like all kinds of projects. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's incredible. I didn't know that. I'm like, I, I don't, you know, which is great. Cause I can't know everything. You know, our church <laughs> is too big, but man, that's incredible. But that allows people to serve mm-hmm. in a capacity and, and saves the church thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. So. And, and I was leading um, some leadership talks on Sunday at East Valley. And uh, I realized that while I was telling our leaders that one of the things we value is being able to build teams and, and scale and, and, mm-hmm. and grow yourself by bringing more people in to help you, uh, so, someone challenged me and said, well, who are you building up to take your spot? Mm. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm guessing that was yeah. an eight. Yes. Yeah. And so, so it was just that realization that yeah. I do believe mm. that the way that our, our organization, the way our church grows, the way anything grows is by duplicating yourself and, mm-hmm. and growing other people and help bringing them into places where they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't do it right. because my pride is stepping in and saying, I'm the only one that knows how to do this right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So as we kind of wrap up now, uh, the question we want to ask everybody on this is just how has this process of self-discovery helped you grow in being real with yourself, God, and others? Well, okay. that's a simple question. Let's yeah, just wrap question. up with this, yeah. this easy yeah. question. Talk about your entire process of learning about yourself. Yeah. Oh, man. Divided into these three areas. Yeah. We can start with just yourself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me lighten it a little yeah. bit. Anything mm. surprise you about this self-discovery mm. process about your two? Anything like, like, cause right. Cause I mean, that's really true. Self-discovery yeah. is, whoa, mm. anything, anything surprise you? Yeah. Um, for me, it was actually something that you said in the sermon series this weekend um, when you were talking about re- being real with God and that mm-hmm. twos really struggle connecting. And I felt that, but I think I sort of um, downplayed it mm-hmm. maybe. And you put quite a large spotlight on the importance of us connecting with God and that we feel like we can't connect with him because of our shame. Mm-hmm. And that was really real for mm-hmm. me and probably so real that I didn't really want to go there, mm. but I was like, okay, well, I, I can definitely work on myself. I'm used to that. I can work on like how I relate to others and, and that I can work on that. And it's like, but I'll table the God part for later. And then you came out with a flashlight and I was like, oh no, I, I can't just wait on this. My relationship with God is more right. important than everything else. Yeah. Yeah. That was mm. really big. For well, me. And, you know, so right. The loving person at the core of everything is craving love. And so grace is what unlocks that intimacy that you desire. But in order for you to have that, right, you need to invite Jesus into that shameful place. Yeah. He has, He has. you know, if you want to experience God's love, you have to invite him in your shame. That's the way that we, I mean, what does Jesus say to whom much has been forgiven? And those are the ones that love. And so we've got to invite God into that, just that radical place of grace that we need in our life where we just are not who we want to be. And for the core sin of pride, that's so hard. <laughs> It's so hard because it's really hard for me to say that that's the truth about me, that I did that, that I, I felt that, or I thought that. And I mean, there's all kinds of things. How about you? Anything surprise you about yourself? Yeah. I think, um, one of the things that I've learned is that the tendency for, for me and probably a lot of other twos that we honestly just would never have noticed if someone hadn't pointed it out is um, it is easier to feel what someone else is feeling than it is to feel what I'm feeling. Mm. And um, it's because I'm so 
um, I'm so used to the shame. I'm mm-hmm. so used to all the the self-loathing and stuff that has come up throughout my life. Right. Um, that I set that aside so that I can like help others. Mm-hmm. Because if I feel like I'm in this, um, then I'm like, I'm stuck and mm-hmm. I'm not being helpful to the people around me because right. I'm trying to deal with myself. And mm-hmm. then that's, um, that's selfish. Right. And so, um, the, yeah, the, the surprising piece for me, the, the real with self piece with me is, um, is n- recognizing that I need to step into in- inviting God into my mm-hmm. shame and, mm-hmm. and taking the time that we really need whether we say we need it or not. Mm-hmm. Whether we um, want to need it or not. Yeah. <laughs> we really yeah. don't want to need it, but no. we really do need Jesus. Mm. And I think that's one of the hardest pieces for twos to be in relationship with him is because we need him mm-hmm. and we are not okay with needing anything mm-hmm. or anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was good. That yeah. was good. Uh, one last thing, uh, Andrew actually sent in a question on behalf of his small group. They loved the prayer that we had for ones in the message that you did about them. What's a great prayer for twos to I, know, I forgot to write it. That's what happened. I'll work <laughs> on it this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or even just like a, cause I added the, how to love it too. I need mm-hmm. to add the prayer. Yeah. I, I just, just off, off the cuff here. It would have been nice if you asked me that before the program, we were waiting for <laughs> in and out. Um, I, I think for the two, just, you know, God help me to love myself the way you love me. Mm-hmm. God help me to see myself the way you see me. And so, um, because we need, right? We're, we're the helper. So God help, you know, and maybe God help me to love myself the way that you, you've shown me to love others. Like if we mm-hmm. can just give the empathy that we have for others to ourselves, man, the two is just going to be such a healthy person because the two actually sees the needs and the concerns of others, but they're blind to what they need. And they're so wrapped up. And again, that's where that codependency comes from. They just get lost. They get lost in the, in, in the urgency to help and serve others. And, um, and sometimes they get lost in, in things that people don't even want help on. I mean, that's where the two gets real dysfunctional, mm-hmm. right? Let me tell you what you need. Yep. Um, and so, um, you know, and that's what Martha does with with Jesus, right? I mean, she's telling off, gee, that's, a, that's, a, that's a whiff. Like if you're a two, like you're, tell, you're telling Jesus what to do. Yeah. So, so I, I just would say, God, help me to see myself the way I see others and help me to love myself the way that you love me. I think that would be the prayer um, for the two. And, um, and, and then my prayer for the twos is that they would be in relationships with people that love them and, and not ones that use them. Mm-hmm. I think twos, I, it's, I hate to say this. I don't know if I want to say it. I think twos get used in the church a lot. I think they get guilted mm-hmm. and they get used a lot because, um, especially like if you're led by a three, that's so, um, you know, driven, mm-hmm. like for goals and goal oriented um, it just becomes about what I need you to do for me. And so, um, and we'll talk more about that next week about how I've had to wrestle with making sure that I'm authentic in all things because, um, but anyways, just really, really, if you're a two, you need to pick a shepherd well, and you need to pick a church well, because churches are abusive and shepherds are abusive. And oftentimes you're going to give, I mean, think about all these twos that are going to stand before God on judgment day. And they didn't build anything for Jesus. They built all this stuff for some dude and his ego or, or whatever else. And so um, I wish it weren't true, but there's just, there's a lot of people in religious stuff for all, I don't know why, but they're just, they're just in it, man. I, I just assume if I was going to go after power and wealth, I would have pursued another venue. Um, Cause I think it's a lot easier to make money and have power outside the church, but people, for whatever reason, they, they go into the church for just 
unhealthy reasons. And I think you experienced some of that as a kid, just, you know, browbeating you in the name of love. I mean, cause that's going to attract, yeah. you know, the homosexual community yeah. to Christ. It's just ridiculous. And, um, you know, and I, I don't know how we got that way as the church. So I apologize for that. You know, um, it's just, it's just ridiculous, but just know that, that know that, you know, you have to be so careful as a two who you surround yourself with because people will use you mm-hmm. and, um, and not love you. And that's right. You, that's, that's at the core of your heart. If you get rejected and used, all they're doing is reinforcing that sin that's in you that says, see, yeah. see, you're not worth it anyways. And, um, and that's just, man, that's just tragic. And, and just know that that shame is going to gnaw at your soul as a two. And so, uh, the pride, it's not there. Oh, I dealt with that. You know, I had a guy tell me this, a pastor tell me this. Yeah, I dealt with my pride. <laughs> like, clearly, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it swallowed you. That's how you dealt with it. Um, so just know that pride and shame, right? Those, th- that's your left hand and your right hand of your struggle. And right until Christ comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on these two things and I'm going to monitor these two things. I'm going to make sure that they don't destroy me um, because that that's what they'll do. And so- um, you know, if if Christ wanted to just wipe all that away, he would. I think part of our journey is growing in the midst of those struggles and uh, and truly becoming who we are. I mean, I think, uh, right, I mean, Jesus, or excuse me, Paul, uh, the author of Hebrews says that we should not get mad at God when he disciplines us because he disciplines his sons mm-hmm. and his daughters. And he's trying to he's trying to craft us into something that, that we couldn't be uh, through any other thing than suffering. And that's why I think suffering is central to the Christian faith is somehow through this heartache, we, we come forth, like Job says, as gold. And so for the two, shame and pride, my left and right hand, my struggles, mm-hmm. and I gotta try to navigate that. So just again, if you're a two, I love you. And, and please be so sweet to a two. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need them. They're, they're such precious people and they can be annoying, uh, especially if it's like your grandma and they're constantly <laughs> like trying to right, serve you by, you know, let me wipe your face or whatever. But man, it, just, just love on them and, and try to, you know, give them boundaries for, for how they can serve and what they can do. And, and again, you know, especially if your mom is a two or your dad's a two, you're like, mom, I'm 45. You know, I, <laughs> I can wipe my own butt. So my mom's gonna, my mom's gonna love that. Okay. I love you, mom. So, uh, but my mom has a lot of two. Mm. So she's awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode on the twos. Thank you, Megan and Chris, for yeah, you guys did great. stepping out from beside the scenes. Yes. Thanks for having us. And you can find all the notes for this episode at debrief.show slash 106. We'll have a link to the message that Pastor Matt did on the two. So you can get even more about this. If you haven't listened to that yet, get that self-discovery link. We'd love to have all of that for you there. And we will be wrapping up this episode with the song that was specifically written for twos this week by our music director, Matt Ritchie, and some other folks on our team. So that'll be right on at the end of this episode. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks. My love is a flame It's a fire burning bright A love uncontained Lights the way back home in the dead of night before a fire to burn, it needs to breathe. And every breath can only give what it receives. My love is a wave, like an ocean deep and wide, a love uncontained. 
as boundless as the open sky but even the tides will wax and wane and even the sun can rest once night has turned to day I can rest in every blessing not just giving but receiving I can love you let you love me love for more than what I can bring my love is storm it's lightning in my bones a love uncontained like a heavy rain the clouds can't hold and even the storm will find its end and there in the quiet peace the sun will rise again I can rest in every not just giving but receiving I can love you let you love me loved for more than what I can bring Am I really love?